Okay, Alexa, it's your special week in Australia and New Zealand, so we'll do a very rare thing and let you sing a song to start the podcast. Technology. Technology. Where would I be without technology? Without the Wi-Fi, I couldn't say hi. As for music, I couldn't choose it. Shopping lists would cease to exist And time would be on your wrist I thank my lucky stars that I'm here today I hope that you'll agree Give me one, two, three shouts aloud For tech, 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 technology Ooh, technology Welcome to The Blind Side News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. Happy February to you. The year is going quickly, isn't it? And I've been looking forward to this podcast for quite some time because this is where we unveil the Amazon Echo. It'll be old news, I guess, to some people who are listening in the UK and the US and other countries where Amazon Echo has been available for a while. But perhaps it's one of those things that you've heard about. You thought I might check into it sometime and haven't. In this case, the podcast will be interesting. But it will be particularly interesting, I think, for people in my part of the world, in New Zealand and also Australia, because some members of the Amazon family have gone on sale today, on the day that we publish the 1st of February. I'm going to be speaking with Robin Christofferson. Robin does a really cool podcast, and he does it every single day. It's called Dot to Dot, and it looks at Amazon Echo skills. Just a bit of a warning, if you have one of these devices we will from time to time be using the wake word, the default wake word that wakes up an Amazon Echo device. If you have one nearby, you might like to mute its microphone, which you can do. Usually there's a button on the top and you can mute the microphone to stop it from recognizing its wake word. So you've been warned. It's very difficult to do podcasts on this subject without waking something. Robin's got a way, though. He refers to Alexa as the A-Lady, as we will hear in this interview with Robin that we do shortly. But do check out Dot to Dot, published every day with a new Amazon Alexa skill to play with. Really useful resource. Have you ever thought about publishing a podcast of your own? You could do it. And we've got the tool that would help you to do it. Mosin Consulting has produced a series called Unleash Your Inner Podcast. It runs for four hours, and it was a series of interactive webinars that people attended toward the end of last year. And it's packed with information about what a podcast is, how to get started, covers everything from microphones to recorders that you might use in a portable environment. Do you need a mixer or don't you? All sorts of utilities you can use to make your podcast sparkle. And if you would like to know more, just visit the Mosin Consulting store at mosin.org slash podcasting is the specific URL to get to it. Mosin.org slash podcasting. You can make your purchase and download it instantly. No waiting for it to be delivered by hand. The download is instant and you can get up and running right away and learning about how to do a podcast of your own. If you do one, thanks to the course. Well, I look forward to hearing about it and giving it a listen. Feel the need to sound off? Share your thoughts about this week's show by email. Send an audio file or write it down and email the blindside 
at mosin.org. And thank you so much for all the feedback. I've got a couple of emails that I want to read. We do have a longish interview today, so let's just pick a couple of really good ones. Here's Floor Lynch from Ireland. He says, Hi, Jonathan. I agree with your sentiments about the words used to describe blind and being vision impaired. There's now an expression... People with sight loss used to describe both blind and partially sighted and what's wrong with partially sighted, he says, persons. There's an issue, I think, with the word vision, though, because vision is used for many other things besides sight, i.e. if someone's a visionary or has visions of a great future, etc. We do live in an increasingly predominating sighted, graphical, iconic, visual-orientated world, but unfortunately... This has led to some people regarding the term blind as being intrinsically negative. But what's not being got is the qualitative difference between having a little sight and having no sight. An almost analogous situation exists between hearing impaired and being deaf. Sure, there are historically and generoculturally negative connections of the term blind in language, but it won't do to close off discussion of terms because they are considered taboo. The Pakistan decision to ban the word blind is unfortunate. For quite a long time, there will still be people there, and in much of the rest of the world, blind from birth or from an early age, who will never have experienced vision loss as such, not having learned the meaningfulness of sight. Thanks very much, Floor. I understand what you mean with the term vision impaired, but in a way I think it goes to the very root of the problem, which is that vision is somehow seen to mean understanding. And I think over time, linguistically, the word vision has been hijacked to mean something that I'm not sure that it should. We may not win that particular battle, so I certainly take the point. Now, on last week's episode of The Blind Side, we talked about Delta Airlines. That was our feature story and the fact that they were going to require users of service animals to file documentation no later than 48 hours before they have to travel. And obviously, if you want to travel on urgent business and you're a guide dog handler, that is going to be a big deal. The first thing I should say is that Delta has released some sort of clarifying statement after all the brouhaha that they've created. And they've said that they will make exceptions in certain situations, and that will be assessed on a case-by-case basis. There's also some investigation going on, of course, as to whether this just violates the Air Carriers Access Act and is illegal. And then I hear a story in the last week or so where I believe it was on United Airlines. They were saying that somebody tried to get an emotional support peacock onto the plane. I mean, the situation over in the United States with emotional support animals is just out of control. Here is a message from Beth in response to last week's podcast. Oh boy, have you got your flame-proof suit on, Beth? She says, hey, Jonathan, happy new year and welcome back. Missed you. Oh, that's sweet. You stated on your podcast that guide dogs are extremely well-trained and so bonded to their blind handlers. Of course, I have and will never sit in on the school's training, but my experience when I have been around guide dogs and from what I have gleaned from podcasts and other materials has been disappointing. Distraction, food stealing, chewing things, eliminating on floors, I'm not sure what eliminating on a floor is, and barking are all common problems. I have also had two dogs one in the 70s, one in the 1980s, both having daily vomiting and diarrhea anywhere we happen to be, 
urination on a person's shoe, and distractibility, almost leading to being hit by a car once. My analysis led me to no longer even want to try another dog. It is my objective view that dogs shouldn't be used for guide work. There are too many non-viable variables. Well, thank you for the email, Beth. I'd be really interested in hosting a panel discussion on the pros and cons of mobility with a dog and with a cane, and also hearing from other people who believe that guide dogs are not necessarily appropriate. Of course, it does take me back to that very controversial Braille Monitor that was published in 1995, October, I believe it was, of 1995, where they discussed this subject with some candor, and boy, (laughs) did it cause a major storm even before this social media age in which we live. So if you would be interested, if anyone would be interested in participating in such a panel discussion on a frank discussion of the relative merits of dogs versus canes and the downsides of having a guide dog in terms of socialization, accidents, all those things, as well as the many positive sides that people report as well, then do get in touch. And we'll see in future weeks sometime, it won't be in the next week or two, but we'll see if we can put a panel discussion together. And I think it could be really interesting if we get some people who are willing to engage with one another and uh, have some frank discussion. If you want to be in touch, the email address is theblindside at mosin.org. That's theblindside, all joined together, at mosin.org. And as a segue into our feature on Amazon Echo today, don't forget that Mushroom FM's daily technology show, The Daily Fiber, is happening. And boy, are we getting some amazing response to this. It is on at 3 a.m. Eastern Time every weekday morning. That is 8 a.m. in the UK. It's replayed 12 hours later, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. in the UK. You can go to Mushroom FM's website at mushroomfm.com schedule and the schedule is displayed in your own time zone. That's mushroomfm.com slash schedule. It's time to hear from this week's featured guest on The Blind Side. It's an exciting week for people in Australia and New Zealand because Amazon Echo is coming to those markets. It's perhaps less of a deal for people in Australia who've had Google Home for a while, but the Amazon Echo family is the first family to officially support New Zealand. I imported my first Echo a couple of years ago, but for people who don't want to get into hackery and and who want the full experience, this is a really exciting week. I'm joined by Robin Christofferson. Now, Robin has a podcast called Dot to Dot, which focuses on the Amazon Echo family. And he joins me now from the UK. Robin, it's really great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. How long have you had your Echo for and and what do you use it for in your day-to-day life? I've had it just over a year and it's probably easier to ask what I don't use it for. Now, because I do a daily podcast on the Echo, it obviously forces me to try out lots of different skills um, to find one that I would want to other, you know, share with other people each day. But I absolutely use it in between times too, as do the rest of the family. So there's the obvious things, playing music, adding things to a shopping list or a reminders list, um, asking the time, setting timers, uh, play, did I say play music? Playing radio stations that I'm more of a, a spoken word person than a music person. So I am always listening to my 
BBC radio stations, for example, through it. Um, and then there's just asking for information. It knows, you know, so much information. Um, you can throw any question at it and usually you'll get a sensible answer. You can ask it for the weather forecast, obviously. You can do calculations. You can do translations. Ask it what such and such is in Spanish or German or Dutch or whatever it might be. And just so many different things. And we haven't even talked about, obviously, the fun stuff that you can do. The games, there's so many games. Um, and there's very useful information as well. So some of these third-party skills, as they're called, that you can add on, a bit like apps for your phone, um, could literally save your life. There's one called Virtual Nurse, which is um, here in the UK, the NHS has a phone number, which is 111, which isn't for emergencies as 999 is. It's for medical queries. And sometimes they can be quite urgent. Um, it's They encourage you to phone that before you go to A&E. And virtual nurse knows, it seems, as much as the people who are on the other end of the phone. For all I know, it's accessing the same database at the back end. So yeah, virtual nurse is a skill that you can add on um, there's a caveat to all of these, which is that there is variability from one store to the other. So when it does come out in New Zealand, there's no guarantee that you will have exactly the same sets of skills, but you'll have lots that we don't have as well. So it goes both ways. And they haven't been monetized very much, it seems to me. A lot of people are just giving this content away, except now I understand there is a way for skill developers to monetize their content to some degree. Yeah, so with some skills, when you've activated it, and that's as simple as just saying, um, enable the such and such skill. Or more recently, you can just say, what new skills do you have? Or what are your top skills? Or what comedy skills do you have? Or whatever it might be. And she'll give you a list and you can, and she'll describe each one. And then she'll ask if you want to enable it. And you can just say yes. So there's a lot of discovery, discoverability there as well. But often with a lot of skills, when you have enabled them, it says you now need to link this to your account, uh, go to this URL and it will tell you what it is. And everything that the Echo speaks also comes up on the screen on the A lady. I don't want to say it. There's one sitting next to me on the desk here. Um, Amazon.co.uk, uh, A-L-E-X-A dot Amazon.co.uk as it is over here. If you go to that web address, then you can see all the skills that you have listed. And she also puts up cards associated with each skill that you're using at that time. And you can tap on that link. By all means, there aren't that many that have an associated account to link. And there's only a small portion of those that are a paid for service, but there are definitely ones out there. But most of the household names want to get on the Echo and want to get a piece of the action um, to just be able to uh, give you free services. So Unilever, you can't get much bigger than that they have several skills on there and some of them are so popular there's one called recipedia that is all you know loads of different recipes on every topic that you can imagine for every taste you used to have to be able to enable that separately you know like all other third-party skills and then you'd say a lady ask recipedia for a, a vegetarian chili or whatever it might be and she'd give you lots of choices and then she'll step you through them she'll put the instructions up on the um, screen if it's an echo with a screen or in your app if you want to see them listed or you can just ask her to repeat them all but now that 
uh, skill is so popular that from time to time, Amazon builds into the Echo as well. So now you can just say, um, a lady, give me a vegetarian chili recipe, for example. And she'll say, I found these seven on Recipedia. So these third party skills, when they're really popular and really sophisticated, you know, really cut the mustard, then often Amazon builds them in as sort of core functionality as well. So it's a really, really rich ecosystem and it's getting more and more like you can just ask her anything and chances are she'll come up with the goods. It's brilliant. Now, for those who aren't familiar with the way that all this works, each of these virtual assistants has a wake word. Many of us listening to this podcast will be familiar with Hey Siri. There's also AK Google. And the default is Alexa on the Amazon devices, but you can change it. You can also change the wake word on uh, Alexa to computer, I think, and Amazon, I think, are the other choices. And Echo. Echo. People have some concerns about these devices always listening because the practical value of them is that you can be in the kitchen with your hands sort of mucky working on a recipe and you want to set a quick timer or you want to ask a question. So the value of them is that they're always listening. But also for some people, the scariness of them is that they're always listening. Do you have some concerns about the privacy ramifications of these? Not me personally, but I can totally see where people are coming from, particularly when some of these models have cameras and the two that have cameras, the um, well, two of the three that have cameras, there's one called the Echo Look and there's one called the Echo Spot are specifically designed for the bedroom. So the Echo Look was marketed, marketed as having some very clever AI, which, by the way, you can access from the normal Amazon app, nothing to do with the Echo. If you've got the Amazon app on your smartphone and you tap on the camera thing, it has this same functionality. You can point it at yourself and ask for fashion advice about the outfit that you're looking at, whether it's looking at that you've got on, and it will tell you if the things go. And um, they're very cagey or they haven't disclosed exactly whether it's all AI or whether there are some people curating or you know being a fashion concierge for you. Um, and that's supposed to go in your bedroom. That's how they've marketed it. And the Echo Spot is a little cute two and a half inch round screen version that also has a camera on there. And they market that as a bedside clock. So, um, by the way, the Echoes that have screens also have Voice View, which is Amazon's screen reader. And they really are very good and very accessible, as are Fire tablets and things like that more broadly. Um, so, yeah, there's definite concerns and you absolutely can see how much it's storing about you. Um, I don't know if it's locally. I suspect it's not because I don't think much happens locally on the dots or the the other echoes. Um, I think they everything you say gets sent back. But you can see very tangibly that they've got a record of everything you've said because you can go back to the history if you go under settings on the A-Lady app and you can tap on things and you get a recording of exactly what you said days or even weeks ago and the purpose of that is that you can then train it so if you have a very strong accent people in Scotland here in the UK have got a very strong accent in some places and they're finding it difficult to be recognized to be understood and they if they wanted to go in and tap on those and say what they were saying they could actually type in what they were saying and she's supposed to be able to learn from that I haven't actually tried that I find her really you know good at understanding what I say 
but you absolutely can do that. But yeah, that history is there going way back. And there are cases, obviously, where law enforcement have subpoenaed this information um, as evidence in, there was a notable case in the US where there was a murder that had happened and that was part of the evidence that they asked for to be gathered. To further clarify the terminology, the hardware is the Amazon Echo and then there are various descriptions of what Echo we're talking about, just as if the, the hardware was, say, iPhone or iPad or Galaxy S8 or Nexus, whatever. And then the the software, the virtual assistant's name is Alexa, so that, that's the equivalent to, say, Siri or Google Assistant. Now, Alexa's appearing everywhere. I mean, just <laughs> looking at all the places that she's now in, in the Consumer Electronics Show, she was everywhere. She's uh, now <laughs> working with Sonos, which is a very big deal for a lot of blind people who care about their audio. There is one device called the Sonos One that supports Alexa. And the interesting thing about the Sonos One is that they're continuing Sonos's classic agnosticism because they're also going to be supporting Google Assistant a bit later this year. So with that one speaker, you will be able to talk to both of these virtual assistants. But we haven't talked about the products that I think most people have and and that's the 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 basic Amazon Echo, which is now up to its second generation, and then there's also mm-hmm. the Echo Dot. Why would I want one over the other? What do they do? So the the Echo, the first Echo that came out was a black column about a foot high, about four inches across, maybe a bit taller than a foot, maybe fourteen inches, and it was very bassy and boomy, and it was really quite expensive at two hundred pounds, um, hundred ninety nine dollars in the states. So it's always pound for dollar, isn't it? So I don't know what it is in uh, down under, but yeah, it's um, usually pound for dollar. And that's pretty pricey. And But yet they were really quite surprised about how much people loved it when they got one in their, in their rooms, in their houses. So then they brought out the Echo Dot, which is basically the, just the top inch and a half. Um, so it's like a little puck, um, hockey puck sized thing. And it does everything that the big one does, but without the big bassy, speaker and I actually prefer that because I'm more of a spoken word person and it was far too bassy for me and that was only 40 pounds most of the time you could buy it for around that price and they would sell it in packs of six as well for 200 pounds so you basically get one free so people were going crazy for those and both the last the Christmas before last and last Christmas the dots were the biggest selling item on both amazon.com and amazon.co.uk so these things are really um very very popular and that kind of spawned a whole bunch of others as well so they updated the original black column to the second gen one and brought it down they halved it in price it's now 99 pounds or dollars and it's got much better sound well i'm looking forward to that because i've got the original amazon echo and uh, as a sonos user it's just just not there yeah. i mean it's really just yeah. not there it doesn't sound very good at all and so i'm looking forward to hearing how the second generation echo sounds but yes we're also getting a bunch of dots one of which will connect directly to the mixer here in the studio because uh, another advantage of the dot is that it has a headphone jack or a line out jack and so you can connect external speakers to that absolutely i think it's the most flexible of the lot really the others haven't got an audio jack as far as i know And so if you've got some speakers knocking around or a Bluetooth speaker, who doesn't have a decent Bluetooth speaker that they might have purchased in the past to plug in, you know, to connect to their phone or whatever. So, yeah, that's really uh, very versatile. 
And then there are loads of other models as well that have screens. The Echo Look uh, has a screen. The Echo Show um, is the one that I mentioned a moment ago. Um, and then there's the new Echo Spot, which is coming out next week here in the UK. And I'm sure it won't be too much longer before it comes down under, because once you've got the official launch launch of some of the products, then you know they've got all the back end sorted out, and it's just a question of localizing the hardware, which isn't yeah. um, nearly so difficult. So, yeah, watch this space. And like you were saying, the A Lady is in every white good that you could want to buy, <laughs> and it's even in um, smoke detectors, for example. And in America, it's um, a legal requirement to have one per room. So if people decide to go that route, then you've already echoified your whole house. Gosh, it's even in toilets and shower heads. I was yeah. looking at the consumer <laughs> electronics show. So they've done they've done very well with this thing. That I, I don't think even Amazon anticipated just quite how it would take off in the way that it has. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it's the back end that's the big deal. The, the the language recognition, I understand they've done quite a bit of work on um, Maori place names and pronunciation for New Zealand, for example. So yes. that's the heavy lifting there, getting the voice recognition so that it, it, it offers a good experience. And all the local POIs, you know, points yeah. of interest, all the, the local data about um, where things are and their opening hours and phone numbers and all this sort of thing. Uh, speaking of which, you know, you can do voice calling from the Echo uh, in America. You can do it to not only Echo to Echo, but you can also do to uh, mobiles and landlines. Uh, and that's because they have this thing called the Echo Connect. I said there are lots of them. There really are loads of these devices, which you just plug into a landline socket and it will talk to all the other Echoes in your house. And now suddenly you can make voice calls and send texts not just from Echo to Echo, but to any other landline or mobile. So, you know, we'd have to have all that infrastructure in every country that it's rolled out to. But I don't know about you, but when I've, you know, I've certainly experienced this and you hear this a lot, that as soon as people start using it, the level of um, joy that you get from just interacting with it and the amount of utility and entertainment that it can give you really is very... Um, captivating it really is you know yeah the the echo is the favorite gadget in bonnie in our house it's it's bonnie's favorite gadget in our house i mean she uses the echo all the time and um especially now that there is the sonos skill for echo where you can um say to the echo say play mushroom fm in the living room and it plays it over our full 5.1 surround sound sonos system it just sends it there there are some problems with the current implementation of the amazon echo sonos skill that i did want to flag for people who may be wanting to buy one because of the sonos integration it's a very weird thing what happens is whenever anybody's talking to Alexa, even if the Sonos concerned isn't playing content from that device, it will cause every Sonos in the house to duck. So you might be listening to a really great Pink Floyd album, you know, and it's cranked up or even worse, man, the cricket's on, right? And you're, there's a wicket going down and, and you're getting a description of the delivery and Bonnie's in the other room somewhere talking to Alexa and the Sonos turns down. It's a horrible thing. And so hopefully they will get that under control. But um, in terms of the calling, it's kind of like a rival to WhatsApp or FaceTime, isn't it? Because you can call any other 
Echo user, but also if you've got multiple Echoes in the house, you can use it as an intercom. Yep. And you can also, of any of the media that you call up, you can say which one you want it to be playing on. So yes. if your recalcitrant child is not getting up, then you can just send a bit of, you know, um, Ali Jones or choral music or something to, or a bit of heavy metal or something to that echo and, you know, wake them up. Um, and you can also do this drop in thing, which is something that the other person definitely has to approve because it's basically calling them unannounced. They don't even have to pick up. So you can just say drop in on the kitchen or drop in on somebody across the world if they've, you know, it's a list of people that have approved this drop in facility. It doesn't matter where they are. So if you've got an elderly relative or something, um, you know, or, or any family that you feel close enough to be able to just uh, approve that function it's very very nice yeah i guess it's kind of creepy um, <laughs> you do get a, you do get a tone when the drop-in happens though don't you so you, you do get some sort of warning and the other person can hang up they yes. can absolutely yes. but obviously you would do that you'd give that some thought before you approve that and some people might be wondering you know well why get something when you've got hey siri as you were saying before and Siri is still very much lacking in a lot of what um, these voice assistants can do. It's still quite screen oriented. She often says, I found something on the web for you, or she pre presents things in quite a visual way. But also the microphone that's built into all of the iDevices just isn't the same. And you mentioned about this, you know, you've got these seven microphones in all of the echoes that are unidirectional yeah, they're, they're, they're omnidirectional yeah omnidirectional, omnidirectional. Yeah. yeah thank you um and she's really good you know just put your phone um next to where the echo is and try saying the a lady and saying something asking her to do something and then say hey siri and there's just no competition at all mm. um and when you've got ones in multiple rooms it will naturally uh answer from the nearest one and they'll all talk to each other with regards pl playing multi-room media and not ducking all of them just because you happen to be talking to one of them, etc. So, yeah, very, very powerful. They've put in a lot of thought into this. Can we talk about the apps uh, and how accessible you find using the apps? I'm not sure if you're using Android as well as iOS, but uh, how, how do they go? So I don't use Android, but I'm pretty sure... It's the same experience because it's basically a web interface wrapped in an app wrapper. So I'm, I'm pretty sure because when you're accessing on iOS, you're basically accessing exactly the same HTML that you see on a desktop browser or on a web browser. So it's exactly the same elements, exactly the same issues. It's not particularly accessible. It's quite clunky. And for whatever reason, it's the only app I've ever come across on iOS where sometimes when you tap on something, it isn't accepted. You know, it's um, it's ignored. So it just feels a bit horrible. Having said that, it's very doable, just clunky and the occasional tap is missed. And you don't have to go in it on a regular basis. So you use it to set up the Echo. You go in there very occasionally if some new... Um, function is added to the uh, firmware or to the capabilities like recently they had routines were added which are a bit like IFTTT 
bit like recipes where you can chain together various things. Um, so you can issue a command like good morning and that will trigger a whole string of different things that you wanted to do, tell you the weather, play you your news briefing, um, start playing a game, whatever it might be. So occasionally you'll have to go into the app, but it's not good. It's not good at all. And um, the I would do it on a browser. I find that in Safari is the best browser on the Mac for accessing it. And that's what I would do to browse the skills and have a look at the different categories and enable things. Because even though you can ask her what her new skills are, that's a very pedestrian way of, of looking down through these. And there's like several hundred new ones a, a week. So yeah. that's not going to be an effective way of doing it. Much yeah. better to go to the skills section and search for something that takes your fancy, whether it's bus info or, um, you know, quiz games or choose your own adventure games or um, recipes or whatever it might be. There are some advantages in the app, and I understand if it hasn't come to iOS very shortly, it will be. You can actually use Alexa itself from the iOS app. I believe that's already in Android, and that if it hasn't come to iOS, it's about to. Yes, it's not there yet. Mm. There are other apps. There's one called Reverb, which gives you all of her functions. It's just like a remote input to that where you just there's a massive button in the middle of the screen you hold it down and you talk and uh, it does all the skills and everything but not um, prime music so for whatever reasons rights reasons or whatever so yeah that's uh, really good too Right, and speaking of music, we've got uh, Amazon's own service, Prime Music, which you can subscribe to. There's also Spotify support, and Spotify is kind of ubiquitous. And not surprisingly, there's no Apple Music. There is uh, Pandora in countries where Pandora is supported. There's iHeartRadio, and of course, there's also TuneIn, which has this massive directory of um, radio stations and podcasts. But there are also some very good dedicated podcast skills. And being an Amazon product... You've got Kindle and Audible support, and that's very elegantly done, isn't it, in the sense that you can pick up an audio book from where you left off and a Kindle book from where you left off on the last device you were reading it. Yeah, so whichever device it is, uh, and obviously if it's a Kindle book, then it will read it with a synthetic voice, but they they remember it across all the devices. And sometimes, particularly with you know iCloud implementations on the Apple side of things, things are a little bit glitchy, but no, it's rock solid. It will get you exactly where you left off. Um, with podcasts, things like AnyPod are really good because they allow you to pick up uh, where you left off on a podcast. But normally speak, the, the built-in podcast functionality with TuneIn, I say built-in, but yeah, TuneIn is the, the service, but that's been something that you can just ask for a podcast you've always been able to do that from day one and it will say getting this podcast from tune in so it's like a one of those third party collaborations but that doesn't remember where you were on the podcast it yeah. will for a few minutes if you say stop and then start particularly if you say pause and then uh, a lady play five minutes later on but any later than that and you'll be back to square one with that podcast but yeah podcasts brilliant really really good now, I don't want to lose track of this routine thing because um, another feature of the Amazon Echo family that routines really take advantage of is the home automation that we haven't talked about yet. And this is just super exciting because 
there's a wide range of um, options available for home automation, everything from turning lights on and off. And I just find this incredibly helpful because, you know, often people leave lights on and I have no light perception and you have no idea. So the idea that you can turn all the lights off at once or in a given room with a particular command um, is is really amazing. They've got uh, support for security systems, smart locks, all kinds of things like that. So that's another thing. Your good morning routine, for example, could also be set the thermostat to a particular temperature if you have a compatible thermostat. Absolutely. And we shouldn't, you know, underestimate this aspect of it, particularly for people with disabilities. So my sister is blind as well, but she's also got very advanced MS. So she, she's got her voice, basically. She can knock a switch with her head and she's got a possum, which very slowly takes you through a, a nest, nested voiced menus which can take whole minutes to change the channel on her telly but yeah to be able to now do that with uh through the echo with various connected devices is incredible and so she can turn the lights on and off she could even close and open her curtains if she wanted to we haven't bought one of those smart curtain tracks yet but you could do um any device that's dumb that you want to make smart you can get one of these plugs you simply plug it into the wall and then plug the device into it and you know like a fan or coffee machine so if you prime your coffee machine the night before just a simple you know dumb 30 pounds uh, filter coffee machine and then on the morning you can just ask the a lady to turn on the coffee and that just lets power through basically to the coffee machine or whatever it is so absolutely and some of these devices need a bridge so the Hue lights famously need a bridge, but many of them don't. And the second gen Big Echo actually has a bridge built in that supports a lot of these different uh, standards. That um, There's a variety of standards that connected devices need to be able to talk to the uh, other devices or to the Wi-Fi hub or whatever it might be. So um, it's a relatively complicated environment, but... It's becoming simpler all the time as these disparate standards kind of converge. Yes. And if you have Apple devices, then uh, it supports HomeKit. So if you want to be able to uh, command all of those by the A-Lady, you'll be able to do that as well as through the various apps on your phone or the HomeKit app, the Home app on your phone too. So even if you get the family geek or some professional to come along and set this up for you, I mean, that's just a one-off setup. And I mean, the same with actually mm-hmm. setting up one of these Echo devices itself. I, we, we forget sometimes that um, 80% of the blind population is over the age of 65. And it really troubles mm-hmm. me that so much of that population continues to be left out of all of this momentum. So I think it's just so exciting on a bunch of levels that here we have this mainstream piece of technology that just by virtue of it being screenless, at least for some of these products, is is 100% accessible and really intuitive to use. It's, it's, it's good news, isn't it? Really good. And I don't think we should be worried about the fact that some of them are getting screens on now because the ecosystem is so vibrant there are tw- over 25,000 skills for the different Echoes now compared to 800, I think it is, apps, as they're called, for the Google Home. And 
you know, zero for the HomePod that we can t- talk about if we want, and the Apple one that's going to be coming out very soon. Um, and they, uh, the vast majority don't assume that there's a screen involved. And the others that do, because at the heart of these devices is this natural language interface, this kind of natural communication where you talk to it and it talks back, speak things as well, as well as showing stuff on a screen. So, you know, there are hundreds of weather apps, weather skills out there. And even the ones that do provide information, if there happens to be a screen on the model that you're talking to, will still speak it all back as well, because they can't, you know, they're not just built for one specific Echo device. So I'm not bothered about that at all. And I think it's, you know, we're going to be included going forward. And don't forget that there is a screen reader built into these ones as well. So if you want to, you know, touch the screen and interface with what's being shown up, you can do that too. Now, of course, there are tribes, you know, we've got people arguing about iOS versus Android and Windows versus Mac OS. And now we have uh, Alexa versus Google Assistant and HomePod is sort of joining in. We'll talk a bit about that. Have you had much experience with the uh, Google Assistant on one of these speakers? And, and do you have any perception of advantages and disadvantages of either platform? I think that Google does search very, very well. And I've heard people say, I haven't used one myself, but I've listened to lots of demos of it. And I don't necessarily think that um, the echoes are worse at sort of just coming back with facts. It's very rare that she'll come back and say, I don't know that, or I didn't understand the question or something like that. Very, very rare. So I can't see a, a massive difference between that. And as I mentioned a moment ago, the big difference is the kind of ecosystem. There are so few third-party apps for the Google Home compared to the Echo. So um, but I'm sure it'll catch up because this sector isn't going away. It's like a massive arms race. So, you know, they, they all want to occupy this space. So Google are throwing resources uh, and developers at, the, at these, their home assistants. So I'm sure it'll catch up. And, uh, you know, I, I want them all to do really well because choice is a good thing. And the majority isn't always right, of course, but it is worth pointing out that, I mean, Alexa has a massive percent of the U.S. market, which is the most mature for these voice speaker devices because they came there, there first. I think it's still about 90-ish percent of the market belongs to Alexa, which, you know, given the size of Google and its ability to market and things is, is, is pretty telling, I think. It was the two-year head start, and the dot, the good old dot, came out and just really blew the price point, you know, so so radically down that um, the Google Home Mini was the response to that. It looks like a little um, material-covered donut of a similar proportion to the dot, little puck-sized thing. And I'm sure that in six or 12 months, there'll be a HomePod mini apple will have to address that segment as well and i'll think they'll do that when the siri that's built into the home pod has caught up to a certain extent because at the moment it's being marketed for the music lovers the audio quality i'm sure will be fantastic which couldn't be in a much smaller device and so they'll only bring out the small device when they've caught up on the ecosystem side of things and it's a real pleasure to do lots of other stuff with it apart from playing music just like it is on the other ones 
And of course, you also have the Google Home Max now, which is aimed right at yeah. HomePod. Apparently, that is sounding very good, and it's got all of Google's smarts. One thing is, if you do have other Google devices in your house, it's hard to argue that there's a very strong use case for Google Home because, for example, we have an Android TV here, and with a Google Home, we can say, um, play the latest episode of Designated Survivor on my TV, and it just does it. And um, yeah, using Chromecast technology, we also have a couple of Chromecast audio devices plugged into some of our Sonos equipment that has line in. And so, you know, it's it's very elegant in that regard. So they've got some advantages, and it's just really exciting to see all of this panning out. One device we didn't talk about in the Amazon range, I just wanted to touch on briefly, and I don't know its status, so maybe they discontinued it, but that's the Amazon Tap, which is the only truly portable option in the sense that it's battery operated. Is that still a thing, or have they discontinued that? I, th- I believe it's still available in the States. Um, it's never been in the UK, so I don't know. But they, I mean, we could talk about some of those as well. Um, there's the Amazon Button which isn't the dash buttons. So a long time ago, Amazon brought out um, a version of the Echo called the dash button, which is <laughs> you can buy things through the Echo, as I'm sure you wouldn't um, be surprised to hear because mm. it's an Amazon product. So you can buy everything that Amazon has to offer by voice. But they had these little dash buttons, which you could just stick to the inside of the cupboard next to the washing up liquid or where you keep the paper towels or whatever it might be. And to order some more, you literally just press that button. But the um, the Echo button that I mentioned a moment ago is actually an add-on um, as like a portable playing device. If anyone's seen those, Simon says um, from our youth when it had four lights, red, green, yellow, and blue, and you had to do it in sequence. Well, beep, these beep, 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 beep. Amazon buttons, <laughs> yeah, have that. And it's it's a controller to control skills that support these Amazon buttons. So you can imagine everyone sitting around with their little lights on their amazon buttons and you know press blue for this answer and red for this answer and there's loads of games that support that as well so this is absolutely ballooning out of control and just on the tv casting side of things Mm. many smart tvs have the have fire they're fire tvs they've got the amazon fire software in them or you can buy a fire stick um which you plug into the side of your tv and that has the Fire TV software on there and use it and it will talk to other Echoes around the house so you can ask it to play such and such on Amazon um, movies and it will play that. So there's a huge range of choice out there and they're all trying to match what the other people are doing, which, as I said, is really good. So you could pick probably to go down the Amazon route, down the Google route. It's going to be a long time before you could say it for the for the apple route but uh you know we'll get there hopefully as we publish this podcast the home pod is available for pre-order in australia the us and the uk only and it's kind of not uh, as as i said on the daily fiber last week it's home pod tim but not as we were expecting it because <laughs> we don't have the ability to group rooms and we don't have the ability to pair two of them to form a stereo pair at launch. Mm-hmm. That's coming mm-hmm. in software a bit later. But to ship without those features when they were aiming at the audiophile market seems like an act of desperation to me. They obviously 
started very late in down this path and are paying for it now. But I'm really excited about the HomePod, not because I want to get one. I probably will never get one because I don't care about the quality of audio. Um, I'm happy for it to be coming out of anything, really. Um, but because of what it means for Siri. So Siri can do so little of what these other ones can do and what people have come to expect of a home assistant that they'll have to do that. Obviously not at launch next week, but within a few months, I'm sure they'll be adding things all the time, or at least I hope they will. It'll happen sooner or later. And when they do that, that's got to come back into other iDevices because why not? You know, it, why not bring that back in and make those other devices feel much more um, like the voice in, voice out, the the voice assistant side of it is as smart as these other ones. And what that will mean is because the HomePod hasn't got a screen, it's got a little touch screen on top and it's got some icons on and things, but they're not going to display any information on there. You're not going to get apps or skills or whatever they're going to call it for the HomePod that, you know, displays stuff on a screen. It's all going to be audio related. So Siri is going to have to do a lot more, you know, no more gone will be the days when it'll say, I did a web search for you and throw you up a whole list of stuff on a screen. Take a look. So I'm really excited by that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. I hope Here's you're right, I've Robin. You. But, you know, for the last two or three major iterations of iOS, everybody has saying Siri has got to get better. It's got to get, and they did, to be fair, introduce very tentatively some degree of third-party control, but Apple has very strict guidelines over the kind of apps that can take advantage of that. Um, I still can't just say to Siri, play Mushroom FM on TuneIn Radio. I can't say open such and such a book with Voice Dream Reader. There are just a whole bunch of really basic things that I should be able to do with Siri and can't. And apart from all of that, it just doesn't know stuff. It So often I hold the button down or talk to it and I ask it a question because it's the default assistant on my device. And then I remind myself, why did I bother trying when I know that inevitably I'll be opening the Google Assistant app that's in my dock because I use it so often. And, you know, if Google Assistant could be set to holding down the button, I would have it yep. set because it's just so, so inadequate. And that's today. And I totally agree. But in 12 months time, Apple will be incredibly embarrassed if they're not in this game. And to be in this game, they've got to, you know, be able to do things that other people are very familiar with and used to and expect from these other assistants that are cheap as chips. So, you know, they absolutely will have to do that. I can't imagine that the HomePod will still be something that only plays your music from Apple Music um, in 12 months time. So Siri's going to have to improve and they're going to bring that back to the iDevices because they're just as embarrassing. So you're absolutely right. And we're seeing the first tangible evidence of this, at least in the US and the UK, with 11.2.5, which came out today or yesterday. And unfortunately, it's not available elsewhere. But for the very first time in 10 years of iPhone, um, you can ask Siri to play your news briefing, which is something you've been able to do on the Echo since day one. And, you know, it will, it will actually start playing that and you can choose which is your default one. Um, it's got some sophistication there in as much as if you have uh, an iPhone X, an iPhone 10, then 
if if the screen is unlocked and you ask for the news if you're looking at the phone it will give you it in text it will default to the headlines from the news app if you're not looking at it because it can tell which way you're looking it will default to the spoken headlines and over here in the UK you can choose from BBC Sky and a number of different other ones I prefer the Sky one because it's updated on the hour every hour um, and if your phone is locked and you ask Siri, it will automatically default to the recorded one, the audio. So that's exactly what the Echo does and has done forever. So we're already seeing a little bit of evidence of it. And obviously, that's what the HomePod's going to do. Mm. And that's available in, in the UK, Australia and um, the US at the moment. And as you say, it's sort of oh, trickled yeah. down from HomePod. But is it really exactly what the Echo does? Because with the Echo, you can go in and set an order at which a string of news sources will play back to back. And I mean, I think that's actually superior even now to what Siri is offering. Oh, it absolutely is. And there's other things that you mentioned a moment ago, like play my Audible book. That's never going to happen because of, you know, the Apple and Amazon relationship. So that's never going to happen, unfortunately. Um, so the HomePod will always be much more of a constrained you know walled garden experience a bit like the iphone really but much more so are we all going to get into the sort of mode where we're going to have to have multiple assistants are we going to have a kitchen counter big enough to accommodate alexa google and siri um i've heard a lot about what the google home ones have to offer and there's nothing that i can think of um, uh, temporarily, because it comes and goes as Amazon and Google kind of fall out and make up, YouTube isn't available on the Echoes that have screens, but I'm sure that will come back at some point. Not that I listen to, you know, watch YouTube videos or anything like that. But all the other kind of Google properties, accessing your Google calendar, hearing, listening to your recent Gmail emails, etc. All of that stuff's available on the Echo. So, there's nothing that I can think of sitting here at the moment that would make me need to get a Google Home. Um, so, yeah, I don't know is the answer. I certainly know people that have multiple. So maybe at some point. But, um, yeah. What's your we'll favorite see. email skill? Um, there's one called Mastermind, which does require uh, logging into a separate account. I'm waiting for them to actually build that in, the ability to read emails and texts and that sort of thing. So I'm sure that will come at some point. We've already got the voice calling and the voice messaging, et cetera, from Echo to Echo. So, yeah, I think that will come at some point. But there are loads of, of third-party skills that as long as you allow them, I'm going back to the privacy thing, to access all of your email um, and your contacts that will do your mail for you. Now, there are so many skills, and every so often on various radio shows that I do, somebody will email in or call in with a skill recommendation. Somebody recommended one called Ditty to me a wee while ago. Are you, are you mm -hmm. familiar with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never been able to get it to work. Well, I have, but to get it to give a satisfactory, I mean, we could share it now, but it's very, very painful when <laughs> yeah. I've done it. But that's probably just my... Um, there's a brilliant app. I'm not sure if it's still available on iOS called Songify. And that, to me, oh, yeah. Yeah. gets it right every single time. It just 
turns anything, any spoken phrase you give it into a brilliant song. Ditty does exactly the same thing, but it kind of misses the target for me. But yeah, yes. I like it. I haven't used Songify for a while, and when I tried it, had a, it was a little bit quirky with accessibility. Have they fixed that at all? Is it any better? I haven't used it for ages. Yeah. I bet you if I open it up, it might even say that, you know, this is no longer supported or oh, something. It might I be too bitter. We'll have to check. But anyway, so the point I'm getting to, though, is that there's a lot of skills, and uh, it's great when somebody is willing to do the hard yards and find the skills that are particularly noteworthy, and that's really what you are doing with Dot to Dot. Can you tell us about the podcast? So it comes out every single day. Sometimes there's an additional one. It was an additional one yesterday because it was our um, 365th episode. So it has been going for exactly a year yesterday. And uh, yeah, very occasionally I throw in an additional one, which isn't usually a skill. It's some sort of side thing. Um, Just like a, yeah, extra bonus if you haven't had too much already. And they're about five minutes, eight minutes, 10 minutes. And it's just a single skill. Sometimes there's three up to three so um one a recent one was a moment of if you look in the skill store very recently many dozen skills have gone in that just offer you ambient sounds and they all start with a moment of um placid beach or a moment of uh, italian cafe or whatever it might be and so actually in that day's episode i covered three of those but usually it's just one sometimes two and I have a little waffle at the beginning. I demo the skill and then kind of wrap up and say if it's a quiz, you know, how badly I did and you guys I'm sure could do better. And very often I reiterate my plug, which is for people to submit their own skills as well. And I give my email address. And in recent months, we've had loads of people submitting demos as well. I love that because I love hearing you know that people can hear somebody else's voice and um yeah they're the best ones where other people demo a skill that they like and uh yeah different skill each day quick and easy to listen to and the really interesting thing about these platforms of course is one of the problems we've had, or, or one of the opportunities, I suppose, that we've had in the blind community with platforms like iOS is that we know that not all of the apps in the App Store are accessible. And so people filter through them and they find uh, something that is accessible and that is of interest and they might do some sort of podcast on that. In this case, of course, by virtue of the platform, everything's accessible. <laughs> and so that not only is this podcast of interest to the blind community, but it's actually of mainstream interest because the exact way that you as a blind person uh, interact with the skill is the way that everybody interacts with the skill. Absolutely. There was one time I tried a skill called how many elephants and the skill just said, I've sent a picture to the a lady app. How many elephants can you see? And it was, (laughs) it was a picture. I don't know what was on it because there was no alternative text it was back in the days when iOS didn't have built-in OCR, um, or not OCR, because there were no there was no characters, but object recognition. Mm. And top tip for anyone using an iOS device using iOS 11, you can now tap on any image with three fingers, and it should try and have a stab at telling you what's in that image. But uh, yeah, so that was one where all it did was serve up unlabeled 
images and that was the whole purpose of the game but there are so many word-based games because obviously that is what lends itself some of them are quizzes some of them are um you know there's one called word tennis where you give a you get a category like fruit or something and it has this brilliant noise of the tennis ball serving backwards and forwards and she says a word of a fruit and you have to say a you know, really quick, you have to say another fruit and sooner or later you run out uh, of imagination of what fruits, you know, what fruits are out there. Um, <laughs> so there are so many word-based games. Um, the best, I think my all-time favourite skill is called 20 Questions, which we probably all know what this is. And you usually play it with a human, you know, animal, vegetable or mineral, and you ask them 20 questions and it's the most spooky skill. You could possibly imagine I've chosen beach ball, mountain, clown, uh, garden shed, and she's got them every single time within those 20 questions. And it's really creepy because, you know, question 16, um, do you find it outdoors? Uh, If it's like a clown, for example, I'd say yes. Sometimes you can say don't know or or, um, sometimes and things like that. Question 17 is it a clown? <laughs> it's just completely out of the blue. Um, so that's a really spooky skill. 20 questions. I really hope that's in the store where you guys are, wherever you are listening to this. That's my favourite skill. I was playing also with the BBC's inspection chamber skill, which is quite elaborate. And yeah. that one, I mean, the BBC's really sort of got into the smart speaker revolution. Sometimes we sort of think about Auntie BBC being a bit stodgy, but they really do get new media. And um, they have, I think it might be a UK only skill, that's a whole BBC radio environment. Yep, absolutely. When it first came out, it was just to stream the different radio bbc radio stations and to listen to podcasts but the iplayer app which you can get on your smartphone will be ported bit by bit into that skill so that you'll be able to listen to absolutely everything that is available on demand through the bbc so yeah it's amazing and the guardian i'll have to give a plug for that one has every single one of their online articles in there it gives you the headlines it reads it to you it tells you how many minutes each article will be. So absolutely amazing. Yeah. Oh, well, another way for me to get the archers. So you can get dot uh, yeah. to dot uh, pretty much in all the podcast apps. I didn't have any trouble finding it. So it's um, it, it, it's widely available in all the directories and subscribe to that. I presume you can get it for those who use some of the blindness devices like the, the Victor Reader stream. It's in there. Absolutely. And you can also listen to it on the Echo. But you would need to press the mic mute. So there is, for people that are a bit concerned about privacy, um, there's a mute button so that it's not listening to you at all until you unmute it. Um, And I would advise muting it for listening to my podcast because occasionally I will say her name when I'm demoing skills. And it's uh, you might get a bit of recursion going on (laughs) where I'm demoing it and then she tries to demo it as well because she hears me issuing the command. This is just such a wonderful good news story. And um, I would just unreservedly urge people in New Zealand in particular who don't have another supported smart speaker with voice available, if you can manage it, go out and buy at least one of these things. You will not ever regret it. They're just awesome. And you've done such a great job of explaining this all to us, Robin. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. 
Thank you so much. I love talking about it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting. On the web at mosin.org.